0: Welcome to Restoration Church. Pastor Rachel here. We've been in this Advent season, the season of waiting, the season of longing for our Savior. And I just want you to just take a deep breath, just kind of clear your head, and either grab a candle or imagine that you're with us right now as we light the Advent candles, we're going to open this time up today in prayer and in lighting of the Advent candles. So in honor of the light you bring into the world, in honor of the victory over sin that this wreath represents, in honor of the everlasting life this evergreen represents, we are waiting longing for you God whose name is love you call us to love others but love us first so beautifully so resoundingly without reciprocation or judgment in your words and deeds your subversive acts that raised up the lowly in your birth and death and resurrection Jesus you showed us that you are the real thing The love that doesn't fake it, make money on it, and then fail the desperate and lonely just when they need love the most. Jesus, that's us this Advent. Blessed are we who admit it. We are waiting and longing and calling to you with joy on tiptoes for love to be born again. Amen. That was written by Kate Bowler. So we're going to examine the story of Jesus' birth through the lens of heart today. Last time we were together, we looked at it through the head. We're doing the head, heart, and hands this month. So the head was the story of Jesus, the very logical approach to what happened during the birth of Jesus, why it happened, what was the prophecy that was fulfilled. And then today we're going to sit with the heart of the why of the story. And then next week, we're going to come together and do an actual uh, outreach together as the hands of the story of Jesus. Well, along the way, we've been inviting people to share their testimony of how the story of Jesus shapes their thinking, their feeling, and their doing. Whether it's through critical reflection or this relational knowing or just engagement, we should be transformed. So today our text is in Luke 2. We're gonna we're going to pick up in verse 25. I'm reading out of the NRSV. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation, or the word, the Greek word would be paraclesis of Israel. In the Jewish Bible, it says it like this: He waited eagerly for God. To comfort Israel. And so, this Simeon, who was waiting eagerly, who was looking forward to the consolation, the Holy Spirit rested on him, it says. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, to your people Israel. Verse 33, And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. So going back to that first part where he was looking forward to the consolation, Simeon was older now. This would have been the eighth day after Jesus had been born. It's time for him to be presented to the temple. And the word there is paraklesis. This Greek, it means consolation. It means to comfort or exhort. A more literal translation might mean to call to one's side as if to comfort or exhort. A closely related word that we're familiar with is parakletos, which we've often seen translated as the Holy Spirit later in Scripture. And parakletos has this connotation of legal assistance as, as the defense counsel or the advocate for the accused. In a sense, the parakletos is both a comfort to the accused as well as an intercessor on the accused' behalf. So listen to these verses in John where Jesus is talking to his disciples and he uses this, this parakletos over and over. In John fourteen sixteen, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate or a consoler to be with you forever. And in fourteen twenty six, but the advocate, the parakletos, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything. And remind you of all that I have said to you. Again in chapter 15 verse 26. And when this advocate comes. Whom I will send to you from the Father. The spirit of truth who comes from the Father. He will testify on my behalf. And then again in chapter 16 verse 7. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away. The advocate will not come to you. But if I go. I will send him to you. So, literally, Simeon was waiting for the consolation, the comfort, the exhortation, the defense of Israel in the person of this baby, Jesus Christ. And we have been given the fulfillment of that consolation, that comfort, that exhortation, that defense in the person of the Holy Spirit. You see, this is the heart of the Christmas story, that our consolation, our comfort, our exhortation, our defense is found in the Spirit of God, which is available to all who trust in the name of Jesus Christ as Lord. Now, it's interesting that Jesus is speaking with his disciples and referring to this Holy Spirit with this kind of legal courtroom connotation. You know, it's hard not to think what might he have been preparing for. Them for What was to come, he was going to be on trial. They would be on trial. You know, this language was going to come in very um, handy, very quickly. And he wanted them to know that they would not be alone. That they would have this advocate, this this in the person of the Holy Spirit that would speak, would give them words to speak. That they weren't just going to be left out to dry after he has ascended to heaven. So back to our story. I think it's interesting at the very end of what I read, if we look at verse 34. And I like to imagine that Simeon, at this point, he has, has said all these wonderful things about, my eyes have seen the salvation, you're a light for revelation to the Gentiles, a glory for your people, Israel. And then he gets maybe a little quiet. He might even turn to the side just a little, And lean over to Mary, and he might just have the slightest sadness in his voice as he says, And this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. You see, this too is the heart of the Christmas story that our consolation, which is found in the Spirit of God, and is available to all who trust in the name of Jesus Christ as Lord, was not without great cost. Can you even imagine that of all the possible kingdom scenarios, that Jesus would choose to come to earth through this very human, incredibly vulnerable experience of pregnancy and birth? Now, I don't know if you've been pregnant or not, but I have, and there is such a weight on you. Everything that you eat or drink, you wonder, am I doing right? Am I protecting my child? This child who cannot protect themselves comes out, and and the, the people in its circle, the family around that child, have this full weight of responsibility of keeping this child alive. This child who cannot communicate except through crying, basically, has to be cared for. And so everyone's super attentive, and this is how Jesus chose to come to this earth, to arrive as the very vulnerable child, the baby, the infant, who could not care for himself. You know, and in this way, we think of the prophecies that he is acquainted with our sorrows. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was opposed so that inner thoughts would be revealed. Have you ever been in opposition with someone and it gets heated and someone says their truth? And it pierces your very soul, doesn't it? That you did not know that they thought that about you or about this situation or about that other person. But that opposition brings out the inner thoughts. And that ultimately Jesus, who came as this very vulnerable little baby, was crucified. And his mother's own soul was pierced. Simeon knew what Mary maybe only kind of was starting to understand. The vulnerability that Mary had of loving this child. Now we we closed our eyes during the service and and sat with imagination for a few minutes of, of what that would be. The cost of loving Jesus as your son, knowing what was to come. That's the heart of the Christmas story, that our consolation, our comfort, our exhortation, our defense is still not without great cost. Because of the fragility of the people we are in context with, that we are called to love in our families, in our community, in this world, loving well is complicated, we're finding. And much like Mary experienced, it can feel like our very souls are being pierced over and over again. We need the Holy Spirit to show us how to do this well. How do we prefer one another? How do we set aside our need to be right and allow grace to lead? You know, the scripture tells us that kindness leads to repentance. And we know this and we've experienced it. And I know in my testimony, it was God's kindness and his grace that led me to repentance. And yet so often I want to lead with the truth and make sure someone knows about themselves and how short they've fallen but that is not what the Holy Spirit would lead us to do, is it? We're called to love well. It's complicated. It costs something. Sometimes it it very often it costs being right in order to allow someone else the space that they need. Now there's this term out there in justice work. It's called centering or decentering. It's it's this this idea that you have to take yourself out of the story and listen well to someone's story. So often we get defensive. Somebody says something and we immediately get defensive and say, well, it wasn't me or that was somebody else, or that's not the way it was. But in, in a true decentering posture, you remove yourself so that you can listen and understand instead of build your reply up. So shockingly, we are not always the center of the story. God is more often than not doing a work that we are merely adjacent to. Jesus is always and forever the center of the story. His example, his work, his scripture, his consolation. How do we learn to decenter ourselves and love well? With the help of our consoler, with the help of our defender the help of the Holy Spirit in ways that don't require us to play the hero of the story. That, in fact, might put us as scene extras way in the back. We don't even get credits on the film at the ending, not even when they're listing 500 different people. That's how extra we have to be sometimes. You know, it may not seem glorious enough for us, but let me tell you, it is more satisfying to step back and observe the glorious work of Jesus, the real main character, and his transforming love in people's lives than anything I could possibly say or do. It's powerful if we can... Let Jesus be the center of his story. He is the reason for this entire Christianity faith walk that we have, this journey that we're doing. Jesus is the center of that. And so often we get that confused. And so I think during this Advent time, it's a time of creating space to allow for the hard parts of decentering, the hard parts of stepping back and removing ourselves to the outside so that Jesus can do the work. So that Jesus can get the glory. So that Jesus can be the thing around which we gather. The common thread that binds us together. And so we create space to allow for this hardness of waiting for our salvation. Waiting for justice. Waiting for all the things that Simeon was waiting for. He had been waiting his entire life this hardness of longing for things that 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 aren't yet we live in this now and the not yet we're we're frustrated and we should be this is not as it should be we have pieces of of god here this is his world in it and it showcases so much beauty and love and truth and goodness and yet we also are tainted with sin it's hard the hardness of being not enough of not having enough the hardness of loving when it costs you something. So we wait, much like Simeon, in hope for the consolation of Christ's birth. For the consolation of Christ's life through us. For the consolation of the Holy Spirit who bears witness. Psychologists tell us that this time of year is when individuals are most depressed and most likely to commit suicide this christmas holiday season it's it's a combination of the this compressed calendar of traditional family holidays and all the expectations that family brings into that it's the pressures caused by maybe poor weather maybe we're eating unhealthy maybe we've increased our alcohol or drug consumption maybe it's chaotic schedules maybe it's that financial pressures of of hosting and gift giving and travel and we just are feeling like we don't have enough that we can't love well enough right that we're waiting that we're longing For things that won't actually happen. We get disappointed at this time of of year. And the holidays force to the very front of our hearts the feelings of waiting and longing and not having or being enough of complicated relationships. Of our deep need for consolation. So we call Advent a season of waiting. But this life of following Christ is really an Advent kind of life. Like we're doing this for life. And just like Simeon, we wait with an aching longing for the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ, bringing healing and freedom for all people. We wait with an aching longing for revelation that lights the way of the path towards shalom and away from empire. We wait with an aching longing for your glory, God, and for your honor as your people. And we wait with an aching longing for consolation, comfort, exhortation, and defense from God. This is the heart of the Christmas story. And the consolation of all of Israel is with us in this moment, in this day, in this season, and forever. Come, Lord Jesus.